Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Very good Monday morning to you, and this is Morning Shot. I'm Lin Lee. Now, the environmental, social and governance agenda has gained prominence in a short period of time. And in the context of climate change, we're talking about more environmentally sustainable practices for companies to mitigate negative environmental impact while continuing to make profit. And Singapore is now aiming to make climate-related disclosures mandatory for privately held companies. This could bring Singapore in line with global standards and make it one of the first markets in Asia to extend such requirements to unlisted companies. A committee formed by two top regulatory agencies, the Accounting and Corporate Regulatory Authority and Singapore Exchange Regulation, is seeking public feedback on its recommendations to make climate reporting mandatory for listed companies by 2025 and that for large non-listed companies from 2027. Joining us to analyse the challenges behind policing such a move, we have with us Professor Lawrence Lowe, Director of the Centre for Governance and Sustainability at the NUS Business School. Welcome to the show, Lawrence. Very good morning to you. Hello, Lynn. Yes, happy to be here. Great. Now, uh, Lawrence, currently only listed companies in select sectors, including finance, agriculture, food, forest products, and energy, are required to provide climate reporting, right? Aligned to the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, while others are required to only apply on a comply or explain basis. So if this proposal passes eventually, it's going to affect about a thousand companies, and three of 300 of them are non-listed ones. Uh, so how challenging would it be to implement this mandatory climate reporting framework? First of all, I think uh, if you look at the progress of events or even public articulations, mm-hmm. it will not come as unexpected. Uh, mm. Climate change, everyone is talking about it. So, so for the non-listed company, I, I think uh, that there's some phasing in uh, preparatory uh, grace period, and in fact, I think this is exactly the sector we should uh, look at, the, the very large entity with large, I would say, carbon footprint. In fact, I think precisely because of uh, their large, I don't see they will have any resource problems. And in fact, I think it is in their very self-interest, uh, business interest to actually progress along with preparation for, you know, the, the new era of uh, mm. fighting climate change. But what about the non-listed ones? Yes, exactly. I think even if you are non-listed, precisely because you are non-listed, I, I think we, we need a certain uh, level of discipline in terms of their disclosure, in terms of their very actions that they will actually take to contribute to our overall they combat against the uh, nuances of the changes in the climate. Mm. So which sectors do you think will be tougher to enforce this on? I think, first of all, it will apply to all sectors, but, but I would say that those that have longer value chain, meaning that they have many suppliers in all locations or even they have customers in terms of their uh, usage of the product. So, so in other words, we are, uh, those that have, uh, I would say, long and fat tails in their value chain activities, for example, finance, manufacturing, or even transportation, uh, particularly aviation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, could you also enlighten us, how is this different from current reporting practices? 
Uh, I think to begin with, the, the, the new requirement uh, that is being put up is going to make it mandatory for all listed companies mm-hmm. and for the large non-listed companies. In, right now, what we have is a progressive uh, mandatory requirement for mm-hmm. certain sectors That's and right. for all is on what we call a comply or explain. Mm-hmm. So this is the fundamental difference and I think this is the only way where we can do to move the needle Hmm. So, what are the key gaps you think uh, would be you know, included in this uh, climate disclosures? I think first of all is to understand what the requirements are. The committee of which I am also a member of, mm-hmm. we actually recommend that there's alignment with a new emerging standard mm. uh, called the IISSB, the International Sustainability Standards Board. And I think the piece of cake is actually... Uh, not easy, but we will need to actually get our act together to see the precise uh, requirements. Of, for example, you know, they, they, they are aligned with a certain methodology. You look at the governance, you look at the mm. strategy, you look at the risk, as well as the matrices. Also, companies listed and the affected non-listed will need to uh, do capacity building uh, to move some resources. At the same time, more importantly, capability development is key towards the preparation for the new requirements. Hmm. Okay, so a recent report by financial services firm EY and accountancy body CP Australia analysed data from 370 Singapore-listed companies and they found that companies that did include climate-related disclosures in their sustainability reports, mainly focused on climate-related risks to their businesses, while less than half of them outlined climate-related opportunities. Why do you think that is? Yes, I think for companies, it's also uh, maybe even natural to look at just the empty part of the glass instead of the part that has the water. And I think this probably has a lot to do with uh, the need for compliance Companies will need to understand, to, to evaluate their exposures to the risk, the kind of uncertainty that will come out, particularly in the transition mm. uh, towards uh, having situation where we are totally climate aligned. So the transition might include changes in, say, regulation, changes in technology, changes in, uh, say, investor requirements, changes in consumer preferences. Mm. Yeah, so, so I think all this add together is only good to look at the risk. But having said that, I think we need to also see how adaptation to this uh, new requirement can create value for the companies uh, in terms of, say, waste management, recycling, or even so-called upcycling. In fact, turning your waste product into something that has even more value for the company, energy saving, new product design, and the list go on. Mm. So you were talking about being climate aligned. Can you talk more about that? How do you, you know, achieve alignment? It must be difficult for non-listed going to, you know, if they're doing business between non-listed companies and listed companies, Mm. how do you actually mitigate that? I think the first thing is, of course, disclosure. Uh, Being listed on any stock exchanges always gives you that required discipline Mm-hmm. Uh, to immediately inform all your stakeholders, especially your shareholders, in all the happenings. And you not only have to do the act 
action, you have to tell the whole world what you have done. Mm, mm. And I think for non dispersed of course, many do it very well. Uh, they, they need to actually get used to a situation where uh, information dissemination on a very timely basis and also, more importantly, on a complete basis mm. uh, will have to be done. I think that this is uh, one thing that will affect non listed companies, uh, the, the need to always uh, inform uh, your stakeholders on what is happening or even what is not happening. Mm. Going into a bit more detail, Lawrence, there are many different aspects to climate risks and that can come in the form of water, energy emissions, land use and even waste management. So do you think there are enough metrics at the moment that companies can reliably use to measure the physical risks? Yes. In fact, I would say the metrics are not the problem. There are already some good standards beyond just what is aligned, which is I earlier mentioned about the ISB. In terms of, say, carbon emission, there are some good standards out there. So the problem is actually not the metrics, but it's actually how you measure them. And very, very interestingly, how you verify them, mm. you need a certain level of assurance to, to make sure that your disclosure are authentic. Mm. So with standards still being rather grey, how then can companies properly integrate these considerations into corporate budgeting and even strategic planning processes? Oh, definitely. In fact, it's not even grey. There are 50 shades of grey. (laughs) (laughs) But I think for companies to be fair, we need to have companies uh, approaching this in a very progressive and phased way. Uh, you don't need to jump on everything right away. Uh, in fact, it's almost like if you are thirsty, you just need to take a sip of water. You don't have to immediately drink the whole waterfall. Mm. So my advice is get onto the learning curve fast and early. Mm, very good advice. And that's all the time we have today, Lawrence. Thank you so much for your insights and perspectives. Thank you. We've been speaking with Professor Lawrence Lowe, Director of the Centre for Governance and Sustainability at NUS Business School. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.